Hello, interview listeners. It's Jill, your host, with a quick reminder. The content shared in this podcast is for informational purposes only and spans holistic, spiritual, and intuitive topics meant to assist you on your personal development journey. This applies to all guests and co-hosts. I'm not a healthcare professional, nor do I give advice within the fields of medical, mental health, or animal care. Please seek the appropriate help if you need to. Thank you. Now, on to the show. are you? Can you hear spirit calling? I'm Jill and this is my intuitively guided podcast where all things mystical, creatively mix and mingle. As a holistic teacher, we'll talk about everything from energy to angels, chakras to shamanism, crystals to meditation, and the psychic nudges only our soul knows. Thanks so much for joining me for solo episodes as well as interviews with like-minded people. Now let's get started on this spiritual journey together. Welcome to another episode of Hello Inner You. I'm Jill, your host, and with me today I have a very special guest. Her name is Lori Christian Post. In 2004, Lori became a certified balanced body Pilates instructor and has a deep love of anatomy and the freedom of movement. She began her spiritual studies in 2017 and received her Yusui Shiki Ryahother degree Reiki Master Practitioner certification and began working with in-home hospice cancer and MS patients. She has expanded her practice and recently opened Raven Rock Healing Arts in Heartland, Wisconsin. Lori blends her knowledge of movement and energy with both her Reiki and Pilates practices, as well as being a reflexology practitioner. In her sessions, you will experience the use of essential oils, crystals, tuning forks, as well as a didgeridoo, and singing bowls. She also incorporates stretching. Welcome to the show, Lori. Hi, thanks for having me, Jill. I'm so excited to have you here. This has been a long time coming. We've been coordinating this and I've just been looking forward to it. We're two cheese heads hanging out, having a conversation. Anybody who doesn't know this term cheese head is if you live in Wisconsin, which we do. Scotty. Scotty. So here we are just sharing some spiritual stuff and we have a lot to talk about. But before we start, how did your intuitive and spiritual journey begin? Okay, so when I was really small, we were in a house that had been abandoned or vacant for about 10 years, and it was two-story, cobwebs, the whole nine yards, all wood. My mom refinished it. We all move in, and then we find out it doesn't have any heat in the upstairs. And so we had to remedy that, but it had this huge walk-up attic. Like you're walking up into a cargo plane, and it was almost like in the shape of a square barn type of thing. And I always heard stuff up there. We had exterminators up there and, oh, nothing's up here, nothing's up here. But from that point in fourth grade, I could always remember being afraid in that house and in the basement. And of course, we found a Ouija board down in the basement in a crawl space. And then it was all dirt. You could crawl around under the house, which is so creepy to me now. But it was really a beautiful Ouija board, like from probably the 30s or something. It was like almost like hand painted, those colorful ones that you see at swap meets or something like that. 
of course we goofed around with it and played light as a feather and all that other kind of stuff. And then didn't think much of it, but that house always did scare me and I could hear things and kind of see things. And then that all went away. But then you go to age 43 and my mom died and her last request was to let my hair go gray because I was flaming red hair. And after she was gone, she's the mirror image of me, actually. And I wanted to know where she went and I knew where she is. But, you know, you miss them and you're searching and this kind of thing. It just opened up and my top crown of my head started tingling every time I would get a sinus infection. And I thought it correlated with a sinus infection. I didn't realize what intuition really was. I didn't know what any of it was. But then I started wanting to figure out. And so I started looking things up and reading up on things. And I got really interested after that. I think that's our era. I remember doing Light as a Feather with friends at slumber parties. It was just a game, you know, and then you realize that in the moment you're like, ooh, this is a little bit more than a game. And how is this working? You're tuning in, but you're also tuning out at the same time because you're picking up on all of those things. So would you say that living in a house that felt a little bit haunty helped you to tune into those senses at a young age? I think so. And it was part of a historic downtown Nina, Wisconsin. I really think there's stories to tell because that energy is stuck sometimes or stays. It's not that it's evil, bad or anything like that, but I've always been drawn backwards to the past. And I don't know why, especially now as I get older, cemeteries, I feel so at home in cemeteries. Elderly people feel really comfortable to me. Death feels really comfortable to me because I've been around so much of it. And as a kid, I was that weird kid. I was a kid that got picked last for everything in sports, didn't get invited to the slumber parties, probably because I talked about this stuff when people were probably afraid of me, but I don't know. I just always was different. As you're talking, I'm thinking, man, we both love old houses. My grandmother's house was an old house. I love the little weird noises and anything old that has a story is really cool. And I vibe out on that. So it sounds like you do too. Did your family help you to realize your gifts? I come from a very Catholic family, went to a Catholic grade school. They just thought I was making it up and they thought they were my imaginary friends. And now as you get older, you realize they weren't. And I don't even remember who they were. I'm thinking guardian angels, right? Because there's so many times I've walked behind cars and another car was coming or a bus or there's just too many times I could have had exit points already, if you believe in that sort of thing. And I always thank my guardian angel for pulling me back because I just feel like I have all this work left to do still, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I believe it's the angels as well. And when we're little, I think they like to peek in more and try to make it not be so scary for us. And so as we get more comfortable with the energy, we can flow with it a little bit more. Would you say that that's what led you to becoming a Reiki person? I think it all led up to this. It, they didn't encourage any of that stuff because tarot cards, oracle cards, fortune tellers are evil. They're the devil in disguise. I hate to say it, but the Catholic church tends to scare you as a kid to the point of you're afraid to do anything, right? Or believe in anything except that one thing. So even with the Reiki, I feel like now finally it's all coming because I've opened myself up a hundred percent. I'd only let myself go in increments because I would have to rationalize it in my mind. Well, this is because I'm using Archangel Michael. This is a cool story. I was just saying prayers one night laying in bed and I said, well, good night, guardian angel, whoever you are. And before I 
finished the word R, I heard a male voice, Azrael. And I didn't even know if Azrael was a real word. So I looked it up and it is a real angel. So I heard that plain as day as if that was in the room with me. Would you say that Claire audience is your main Claire or what is your most significant one? How I started out was Claire sentiments. I've always had the knowing and the feeling. When I'm doing Reiki on someone, I feel the pain on me first, and that tells me where to go on them. And then I started getting Claire audience. And then sometimes I can taste tastes in my mouth. And I didn't understand that. For some reason, mint comes in a lot. I don't know what that even really means. And smells come in. Cigarette smoke those sachet things my mom used to put in her drawer, I would smell that. And then it reminded me, I was thinking of my mom, that kind of a thing. I actually started seeing things in the form of smoke shapes, taking shapes while using my third eye. But then I saw it out of the corner of my eye run past me in my Reiki room at my old place. I thought it was the person I was about to start a session on. I thought, did she have a white cat or a white dog? It was actually my dog. I had a white Westie. And so we were talking about moms and stuff. So I think my mom must have been in the room. I'm not sure. But I work with somebody named Stacy Sherman, who's a fabulous medium, spiritual minister. She actually has a new coffee house in Lilydale, New York called Sacred Grounds. And I train her in Pilates and she trains me in mentorship. She's taught me how to let go of wanting things and letting things in. You know what I mean? I do. Like you're talking and I'm super giddy because I totally get this. You're talking about how your clairs are becoming more honed and about symbols that you get that help you to know when you're onto something, it sounds like. And I think that's fantastic. Do you feel that when you were tuned to Reiki that your intuition really opened? Oh, yeah. And my connection to God really opened. Like, I always want to write this book. What do you mean God isn't Catholic? Because up until age 33, the, we cornered the market on God and Jesus Christ. I didn't know. <laughs> I just thought that. We went to China, adopted my daughter, went to a bunch of temples there. And you start seeing, you know, Taoism and different way other people believe. But what it really comes down to is one God, one source, whatever you want to call it. And we're just all people being raised differently in a different traditional way to learn it. But we're all coming together. My mom was my teacher with that. I think her favorite thing was follow the golden rule, love one another, follow the golden rule. And anything else that you want to do to whoop it up is fantastic. And I feel like Reiki is one of those things that can get you more in line with that energy. As you went through your journey of learning, becoming a practitioner, now you have a studio and things are really happening for you. It was Pilates first and then came Reiki. And how does that go together? Pilates was first and Pilates came out of a necessity. I'm fused at five and six with compression at seven in my neck from a three car pileup like 35 years ago. And we were going to China. This was like fast forward 10 years later to adopt our daughter. And I was so weak on that side of my neck and arms that I was always afraid of dropping a baby. And so I found this thing called Pilates and I went to a YMCA in Greenville, Wisconsin. So basically through strengthening my postural muscles and my spine and be able to hold myself upright and arm work and some stretching, it's what I could do. I could never do anything athletically really after that fusion. I was always scared, but that's how I got into this. And just like Reiki, it's a lifestyle. 
I feel like we have to move our body. We have to combine both the meditation, the movement that's purposeful. Could you talk about how adding in reflexology to your experiences? I was just so intrigued by it. And I think I was doing it already with the Reiki because I was taking the tuning forks and doing every toe joint, the malleolus bone, those little bumpies on the side of your ankles, because all that sound resonance carries through those bones and it just vibrates up and it feels so good. And so then I was pulling and pushing on toes and doing some things, what I do in Pilates to manipulate the feet, to balance them. Because when you think about it, a heck of a lot stacks up on one major bone and it's not a big bone. It's kind of a squarish bone called the talus bone under your heel, right between your heel and your forefoot. And so I would do that before sessions and people would walk around and do one foot and they would feel the difference on how the fascial lines were brought back down to how they should be without all the muscles getting bunched up. And you know how you walk on the sides of your feet feel built up and then flattish in the middle. So I do exercises to lift that arch. Even if you have flat feet, we still do it. And so I was doing those manipulations with my hands with their permission, of course, and they would walk out feeling great. So I went and got the certification because I really felt that strongly. And what's really interesting about reflexology is like Reiki. It connects to the whole entire body. Each part of that foot, your feet are mapped to your organs and organ systems. So if I pinch the top of your toes and your sinuses are plugged, that's where your sinuses are. So I can manipulate the tops of those. You'll feel your teeth starting to tingle and all of a sudden you'll sniff and you'll feel like you can breathe again. And that happened to the first person I did it to. And I was like, this is amazing. I really understand how it all goes together. It sounds like you've taken your love of anatomy and you know where you're working on somebody, which is extra because some Reiki practitioners don't know that stuff. And so, you know, the anatomy and the reflexology now, and then also the energy that you're working with, with, and your intuition. It's like your package is like really big now. Like that's. (laughs) pretty cool. I'm like listening to this going, Oh, I'm, I love this. When you offer a session to somebody, do you know what you're going in to do for the person? Do you let them know, Hey, this might be a little of this, whatever I feel drawn to. You know, I didn't used to, I used to just do the Reiki, but I do it Lori Reiki, how I intuitively move. I hit everything. I clear all the chakras first, do all the groundwork. Um, I then do the relaxation work with all the tuning forks on the sternum, the shoulder joints, the occipital ridges, forehead, third eye. I go down on their nose, pull their skin back, real taut, hit the tuning fork and go there. And it just goes across their eyes and the jawline too, especially if I know that somebody has TMJ or some kind of dysfunction from ear to jawline. I've learned to stay off the ribs. People start laughing if you do their ribs, right? Their SI joints, you know, their anterior and their posterior. So it'll go from the front to the back. And then I actually lift their hips up because I have a really cool bed that I got and it's on hydraulics. So their legs are elevated. So they're up like that, butt drops down for tractioning and they're laying flat, but I can tip them up. So if they're going to cough, I tip them up a little bit because then they won't cough. And so I can see where they are under that sheet and that thin blanket. And I put my hands under there and I can get my fingertips into the groove of the lumbar spine and the top crust of the hip. And I kind of just push, pull a little bit, even light finger tap pressures feels really good. If you've got a really sore low back 
And so I usually use a huge Amazonite or a huge brown smoky quartz. And I put that right at that posterior hip joint and I tap it and I vibrate the rock, which then the healing of the minerals are going up into that joint. Wow. Lori, when I, are you coming? I'm running now. I'm not even in front of my computer. I'll I'm running you to in your 10. studio. You know, I think that's an amazing combination. I'm really jacked about it. I think everybody needs to call you right now. Me too. Mama needs I'm, to make rent. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love how you combine all of that. Could you talk about, to switch gears a little bit, could you talk about how you work with Reiki with hospice and volunteering your time there? I was doing it for the actual in-home patients. It felt so good to be able to help somebody be not nauseated for a couple hours or maybe three days. And the MS patient, unbeknownst to me, this person was 300 pounds in her regular life, reduced down to about 100. And I thought she was maybe 5'4", but this girl was maybe almost six feet if you uncurled her. Because by the time I got her in her hospital bed in her room, she was already in the fetal position, no muscle mass in her hands. We're talking connective tissue almost gone, just one layer of the dermis. I've never seen anything like it. That was at the end when she was 65 pounds. She communicated by her eyes because she was nonverbal. And so the first time the Reiki came up and went up through the crown, she made this guttural sound like I'd never heard before. And I freaked and I got her mom because I didn't know what to do. And her mom started crying. And I thought I made this lady cry. Her daughter's screaming because she can't really talk. And her mom just said, thank you. And held my hands and said, that's how she releases. She just had a big release. And I just sat there like stunned, like, wow. That's amazing, Lori. With hospice and trying to help people mostly in their last moments, it sounds like, would you say that the energy of a person's aura and what they're carrying at that time, it's different? I think so, because I think they're already between worlds. Do you know what I mean? They're not really here. They're not really there. And they're just waiting to go. And to me, it's an honor. If you've ever been with somebody that's died in your arms or crossed over, I can't even describe the feeling. You feel like, A, they didn't have to die alone. And B, you got to be there for their big send off, wherever that may be. You know, I don't believe in the hell, traditional hell anymore. To me, the hell is this girl twisted up in knots where I would sit there for an hour maybe and try to uncurl her fingers. I knew they weren't going to stay, but at least that somebody's touching. And her mom was one of the most dedicated moms I've ever seen in my life, but those moms need a break too. You can be left alone with them if they need respite and that caretaker can go and get a break. Could you talk about your work with animals in shelters and also sharing animal Reiki, sound healing, and the didgeridoo? Okay. So the animals, I've always had this thing for animals since I was little. It's always been this connection, right? If you read all this empathic stuff, it's always the kid that spent a lot of time alone and gravitates to animals more than people, that kind of a thing. I have a dog and I have a cat, but my neighbor actually fosters dogs. And I kind of started doing it with her foster dogs first. They'd come off transport and they're a wreck. They get their shots. So great. They came off of a 10 hour ride and now they turn them over to the person 
and it's really hard. And so I just said, maybe my tuning forks might help or spa music. So I use a lot of binaural beats, a lot of Delta, Gamma, Beta, Theta waves to overlay. Like you'll hear one wave in one ear, the way they overlay this music. It's like your mind can't really catch up to focus on it. So it relaxes. That's the only way I can describe it. Then I did get my certification from an animal communicator because I wanted to make sure I had that before I went to the shelters. But what happens is sometimes dogs are responsive to those tuning forks or they don't want it. That's too much stimulation. So the dog kind of tells me not in words, but by energy language and body language. Would you say that working with animals in a shelter situation or in a confined setting is different than working with them in the home? It's challenging because I would try to take them into a quiet room. There's nowhere really quiet in a shelter. It's so chaotic, right? Because people are coming and going. So I found the best way was for me to go in their kennels on the floor and I'd lay a blanket down and I would bring a little JBL speaker. And sometimes I would use my phone and I would start soothing them that way. The pit bulls had the best responses. And then I would lay hands and then they didn't want you to leave the kennel. The chihuahuas were some of the hardest. Those little ones don't trust. But then the worst part was leaving them. I would just say, I'm leaving you because I know you're going to get a good home and I'm doing the best I can. And it just bothered me, the music they played in the shelters. It's usually like rock and roll or whatever. You know what I mean? And I'm like, isn't there a way we can just play binaural beats in here all day? What's cool is I had a buddy's client at the time. This was last year. She is one of their volunteer behavioralists. And she said, Lori, you know what? Because of you coming out, we have this thing now where from every day from noon to one, we play that kind of music you play and nobody can visit and volunteers have to leave the dogs alone. So they get this one hour of that music and nobody can go in there and do stuff. That in and of itself is huge. So thank you for that too. <laughs> Check three. Lori's got a lot of checks of cool things. Okay. Oh, pleasure. <laughs> That is awesome. As you're working in your own studio and helping people, do you feel guided to share intuitive information that you might receive for your clients when you're offering Reiki? Not on the first session. I have to get to know them a little bit. You can kind of feel them out, see what your belief systems are. I don't want to put any kind of thing in their head that that's how they're going to live their life now because they saw me once and I said something because we all know these things could happen now, what I'm saying, or 10, 20 years from now. I don't know. It's a feeling. It's an awareness. You know, sometimes less is more. I don't know how you feel about spiritual affairs where you're doing energy work or intuitive work. Here's my one spiritual affair thing that happened. I wasn't even there as a practitioner. I was there helping somebody. Well, there was this guy and I had never seen anybody spit before doing Reiki. They would do their hands, turn their head and go... And guess what? That was aimed at me, me, me. And you have three feet, maybe if you're lucky between people. Well, about at hour number three, I started seeing gray. The room started going sideways and I started going down and my friend grabbed me and walked me out of that hall, took me right to another practitioner and said, you've got to get whatever that was off you now. And whatever she did, she unwound something. Um, and did some Reiki on me really quick. And I grabbed water and I got out. And I did do that there this year as a practitioner. 
but it's just not for me. It's too much for me. That's just rude doing that with a group of people. People are still masked up like post pandemic. We're still not really all the way out of it. Who does that with an exhale at someone? Yeah, I agree. That is just so crazy. Are you a part of doing or learning how to offer intuitive readings at this point in your career and Oracle cards, or do you do it mostly for yourself? You know, it's funny. I do the Oracle cards for myself, but so many people now are saying you should be doing it because you would be really good at that. And so it's something I might look into. Another friend will say, well, how much more can you fit into that business? <laughs> Don't you agree? It just keeps going though. It's yeah. like a stepping stone. All of the things that I do too, I feel like they are all stepping stones for me to learn more about me and my awareness. And then as my awareness gets bigger, then I want to share it with other people. So yeah, it's like a cornucopia of stuff. And I think that's actually pretty cool when you're learning all of these things and you want to do add-ons to your business that you offer services for to be able to keep learning in this field of spirituality and not stop with just one specific modality. I don't think I can. I just think I'm always going to want to learn because there's so much more. And how I came to learn about you, I was painting my new studio and doing all this work. And it was late at night and I was painting woodwork, I think, and these big windows. And I found somehow your podcast came by my library and I'm, I'm going to listen to this. And I'm like, wow, this girl sounds really gifted. She's worked with shamans and she's done this and that. So I was so excited. And they're like, and she lives in bleep bleep Scani. <laughs> And I'm like, holy moly. And that's when I looked you up quick, put the paintbrush down and then uploaded your podcast and listened to you the rest of the night to like midnight. And then I thought nothing of it. And I thought, I kind of want to be on this show. I wonder if she would talk to me. Oh, I love that you contacted me. And I think we had an instant connection. Thanks for saying that. When we were off camera talking about our lives, a lot of things synced up. If you're working with people or you're talking to people who have the same interests, the mundane things become extraordinary. Do you ever find that when you're with like-minded people? Oh yeah. Especially in nature and stuff. Part of my animal training, one of my case studies, I had to go in the woods and just sit there and observe the animals. So I took my didgeridoo with me. And it was just quiet. There was not one bird, not anybody. And this was kind of this past fall. And I thought, this is weird. It was just a quiet moment. Started humming on the didgeridoo, just a low tone. And then I heard one bird. And before you know it, a different species chirped in. And then those two were like singing along with the didgeridoo. Then a squirrel came up over me in the tree. Then all of a sudden, more and more. And then the leaves on the tree started going, because the wind was blowing and they were like to putting two hands together to the leaves must have been rubbing on each other. Well, then the tree started swaying. So you had ch -ch -ch -ch, crack, 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 because it was creaking in the tree. Then you had the birds, then you had this over here, then this happened. And then I started playing the didgeridoo more. And at the end, these gold leaves, because they were yellow for fall, started snowing on top of me. So it was really cool. It was like the best case study ever. It sounds like you have such a connection to nature. Maybe your next avenue is shamanism. That's when I listen to you. I'm like, that's why I've got to get to know this girl. So it's no accident. It reminds me of my journey with shamanism and how it came after Reiki and it came after working with animals and it just kept going in that direction. The world feels 
much bigger when you connect with earth wisdom simply in your backyard. Now go to a forest, right? Or take a field trip with other like-minded people who are connecting with all the energies in nature. And you're connecting with every single living thing. Doesn't matter if it's a plant, doesn't matter if it's the babbling brook, the birds, everything. It, it becomes technicolor. Bright, you mean, like really yeah. bright. I say it's like the Wizard of Oz when it goes from black and white to color. That's yes. what being in the woods is like for me. It does for me too, 100%. And when I finished doing my internship with the medicine wheel and working with all of the directions and then going into the forest, I was like, oh my God, can I just live here? Like, can I just pitch a tent? The minute I get into nature, I could hang out there for quite a while. And time goes super fast too. Yeah. Like you're out there longer than you think you are. Right. I mean, who doesn't love a hot shower, but I don't think people really realize how connected you can get. So I do understand your passion for that as well and how working with your instruments and with your sound healing can do that. Do you feel like with nature specifically sound healing, because you're hitting those beats, is that the connection? It attracts them. I have a huge screen porch and nobody will be in the backyard. And the minute you start playing that, they come. I didn't realize how important that didgeridoo would become to me. I just think that's so cool. I really love that. As we wrap up here today, could you share how people can find you and what your new studio is like and what your sessions are like and if you have any events coming up? So I'm your next home away from home. I have three suites that connect and the front suite I made as a waiting area with a coffee bar and tea bar and couch, chairs, because I want you to feel so comfortable. You can come half hour, hour ahead of your appointment, read a book, do whatever you want because the space is so special. Then there's the treatment room where Reiki and reflexology happens. And then you go through another sliding glass door and you hit my Pilates studio. And so I'm located at 112 East Capitol Drive, Suite 107 in Heartland, Wisconsin. I'm Raven Rock Healing Arts. And this fall, we're gonna have some events with artwork. So maybe you want to come and do some animal art, teach us how to draw our pets. That would be wonderful. Start with little things like take and make, or this is for everyday people that want to express movement of color and fluidity on a piece of paper and get their feelings out. This is just more therapeutic and collaging and different things that we're going to just express ourselves through community and unity. That's what I'm trying to build with that. Oh, that's wonderful, Lori. I love that idea. I have always felt that the creative part of energy work, intuition, it all goes together. And so I love that you're incorporating that. It sounds like you have a lot happening in your studio space since it's this brand new endeavor. One month and I think old. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Did we even talk about the summer solstice energy of today, by the way? This is today. Oh, today is the 21st, isn't it? Yeah. So we have this like push of all this good juju happening from all your information, just like pushing it out there into the world. So I'm super happy that we coordinated. We didn't even know it. It's because of my eyes. We had to cancel the other one. And so now mm -hmm. I said, how about the 21st? Not realizing it. What I will yeah. say quickly is I'm located on the Bark River. And so my treatment room has huge, huge windows that I open and you listen to the river as you're having your treatment with those binaural beats. So you hear the rush of the water and the birds. That is very special. Oh my gosh. Well, I have enjoyed talking with you 
today, Lori. I feel like it would be so fun to have you back to just, I don't know, check in, share stories, see what's going on. We have a lot more to share, but for today, this probably will wrap it up. So I want to thank you for being here with me and for sharing all of your talents and all of the things that you do. Well, thank you for being so inspiring because that's how I contacted you. I'm glad you did. I'm inspired. This is exactly what happens when we get together and we talk about all this high vibrational, good energy. It's going to be a good day. Yes. Thank you so much, Jill. Thank you to everyone who's rated, reviewed, and follows the show. I really appreciate your support. And if you've enjoyed this episode, tell a friend. Remember, new episodes of Hello Inner You drop every Wednesday. Also, if you're interested in my intuitive wellness services, check out my website, spiritchi.org, for more information, as well as helloinnerU.com for podcast updates. Until next week, everybody, let your love light shine. Take care. Bye. Bye.